Welcome to this Horizon CIO podcast with me, Mark Chillingworth. In my discussions with CIOs and in the forums I operate for business technology leaders, I am seeing an increased interest in outsourcing projects and major software developments. For any form of outsourcing to be successful, the CIO and their organization needs to make sure its request for information, the RFI, makes the process of evaluating software development partners cost and time efficient. To discover what to include in your RFI, download How to Write an RFI for Outsourced IT Projects from our partners, Future Processing at www.startnearshoring.com RFI. The full web details of this report are available in the show notes in your podcast player or at horizoncio.network. In this episode of the show, we are joined by Alan Hill, Chief Information and Digital Officer of the University of Exeter. As a former CIO of the British Army, Brigadier Alan Hill tells CIO peers about the security implications of leading technology in academia. It's been hot today in London, but it's 500 degrees Celsius on the exoplanet called WASP-107 Bravo. That's very important if you're in a university. It's 200 light years away from us. This is what research scientists do. And an international team of astronomers, led by the University of Exeter, have detected helium in the atmosphere of this exoplanet. They used the Hubble Space Telescope to analyze light passing through it, and they've discovered helium, looking at the data and analyzing it. That's the first time the gas has been successfully found and indicates that we can look even further out to space using this technology, using ultraviolet light and the analysis that goes behind it. So they can discover more atmospheres around these kind of Earth-sized exoplanets across the galaxy. Now you are in the right dinner. This isn't astrophysics. But the really interesting part of this line of business is the fact that the Exeter IT staff have been deeply involved in doing and supporting those calculations and creating that data and analyzing it through high-performance computing. So research is vital for the University of Exeter as part of the Russell Group. And Russell Group, if you're not familiar with them, are research-intensive universities. Focusing on research and changing the IT operating model without dropping the ball is a risky business because research drives big money. Creating that capability to support research is about buying high-performance computing, right? which I have to say I'm not an expert on, right? but it's three million pounds investment for Exeter. Now, we're not the only ones who use that. There are many machines, and of course, we're quite close to the Met Office. But it's the bespoke skills of these staff that makes the difference. These are the people who do the specialist programming, the data analytics, to support the discovery of the atmospheres of exoplanets 200 light years away. Now, dementia is something that is impacting so many families in different ways. And there's a long-term study going on driven by the University of Exeter Medical School. It's an international research project. It's creating a website that is using, that is approaching people predominantly in Hong Kong at this, at this stage to do uh, surveys, to do games every six months to test the mental proficiency of people as they age. 
Now, this is, you know, a really important area. We all probably have touched it in some sense or other through families or friends and so on and so forth. And this kind of research, again, will be life-changing in due course. So Extra IT is about helping provide those websites, the databases and the analysis that goes behind it. And suddenly we find ourselves now as an IT organisation pushing staff forward into these areas, getting up close and personal with the staff who are driving these research activities. And so fundamentally we're starting to have to transform from what is an old style IT organisation which understands a lot about networks and infrastructure and a little bit about applications, is right down in the business colleges, right, into a centralised shared service, business driving activity. Now, most of you will recognise that description, but in higher education, that's always slower to deliver. Um, it's just the characteristic and the nature of it. So we've really had to focus on digital services. Another really good example is international student recruitment. So you may or may not know, those of you with children at university uh, will have cottoned on to this, that sort of annual fees about £9,000 a year, 9250 give or take. For international students that can be double. So international student recruitment is a competitive market. The offer you need to give has to be compelling and you need to respond to their applications quickly and get them to sign up. So that sounds kind of almost retail-like now, doesn't it? So by pushing IT staff up into the marketing area dealing with admissions, we're designing and delivering uh, CRMs, which are exactly about closing the deal with international students and driving income. So those are the kind of business lines, and we can talk about a number of the other things, but let me tell you that's the kind of starting point of this transformation. And this is where the security aspect, I don't mean security as in technical security, but doing this safely and securely starts to look uh, dangerous. So we need to move ownership of digital services out of IT into the business. We need to get people who understand education to own the digital services. Not me, as an IT expert, what do I know about how to educate? Equivalent for research, I don't know about the in-depth aspects of research but the academics do know this dearly it is what they live and breathe and they have to own those digital services so changing the governance now such that they own it they describe what they want in a controlled and planned manner and prioritized centrally as a business we have a governance routine which enables us to take requirements from across the university prioritise them within resources and deliver them in a planned way. But to do that, we also, had to, as we also had to then pick up the whole operating model and turn it upside down, because I've said we need to be digitally focused, I've said we need to put governance in the hands of the experts, and we need an operating model that is fit for the modern IT environment. So design-led, service-centric and absolutely customer-focused. And that suddenly begins to empower the staff, the IT staff, in a way that they hadn't seen before. And during that process, that operating model, we kept a really important aspect here of delegation to the point of discomfort. So I am not the controlling 
authority on all things. I have to delegate decisions and powers in order to move at pace to deliver digital service. So delegation to the point of discomfort is a really important aspect of what we're trying to achieve in the IT team. Now, that's not my idea. That comes from the Royal Military Academy at Santos, which is my first military reference, which we'll come back to later. So getting that digital as a focus and talking about customer journeys is really vital. Now, customer is not an easy word in higher education, but student journeys is entirely applicable. So can we recreate an Amazon online shopping experience for, st for students who are submitting their, their work for marking, for example? Can we design that so it goes through the plagiarism checker, it goes through the online marking, right? The, the comments by the academics are made in either short video clips or in text, and it arrives back in the student's inbox. The turnaround time is there, the grades are picked up, they're automatically put into the learning analytics database, and it arrives on their smartphone app. That's the kind of customer journey that we're talking about. Now, we need to accelerate this journey because there's some important things happening in higher education now. You know, Jeremy Corbyn said at the last election we're going to abolish uh, tuition fees. That's fantastic if you're a parent and paying them. That is not good for the deficit, which will incur about £11 billion addition. So that's not likely to happen in any uh, particular way. But something's going to happen with the tuition fee review. So we've got to be ready, no matter what, to have a really compelling offer to students to come to Exeter. And actually the focus is around digital services. So we're looking now at accelerating our digital journey, producing education service which create an immersive digital wrap, right? Or an environment which is there. So just imagine that, you know, around a student, metaphorically, just reaching out with the click of one button, he gets everything he needs, like that that he or she needs to access in the format deeply personalised for that individual. So if you learn in pictures, if you understand things and conceptualise things in that way, that's how stuff is pushed at you. That's how you draw information to you. Or if you want it in pure text, that's what you get. In my discussions with CIOs and in the forums I operate for business technology leaders, I am seeing an increased interest in outsourcing projects and major software development. For any form of outsourcing to be successful, the CIO and their organisation needs to make sure its request for information, the RFI, makes the process of evaluating software development partners cost and time efficient. To discover what to include in your RFI, download how to write an RFI for outsourced IT projects from our partners Future Processing at www.startnearshoring.com RFI. The full details of this report are available in your show notes in your podcast player or at horizoncio.network. Now back to CDIO Alan Hill and his peers. In research, you've got management systems that pick up an academic sort of, sort of slightly harebrained good idea when it's just forming and takes it all the way through bids and grants and all that analysis and takes it out to delivery and then takes it to the impact which is what research is all about, impact. And in business, are we process driven? Now, enterprise business process management, pretty old hat to most of you, but you know, it's coming to a higher education establishment near you, and it's all about being data and insights uh, driven. Now, that's where we will move to next. Now, whilst we're all doing all of that, we've now got to talk a little bit around security. My experience in the Ministry of Defence is uh, fairly extensive in security 
in terms of managing it at, at, a, at a high level. The game there was to understand where people were landing in your enterprise, right, in your network. Can you pick out three or four needles in the haystack and put them together, understand who's there and why they are there before you take any action? Okay? Now that, to you know, big banking organisations, many of you will be absolutely you know, good practice. That's what we do. What about in a university? Where is the data? Who's got the hands on it? What is valuable? Well, let's have a think about that at the minute. So University of Exeter happens to be quite big into um, the green agenda, into biosciences, into energy. Right? Energy. Who's interested in our energy research? There's probably quite a few state actors who are quite interested in everything to do with energies and batteries and all that kind of stuff. So there's a really important thing. We now move from military environment, where we've got some fairly clear threat actors, into an environment where we're producing IPR. Now, you yourselves and your businesses will be protecting your IPR. So actually, university has to move forward. We've got to find it first, OK? So we're dealing with now academics who are very single-minded. They're completely dedicated to their cause. They do not trust many of the systems, OK? But they will trust to keep it themselves. So we've got to offer much better services to store their data and their information and then protect it coherently. And of course, we've got sensitive data as well. I mean, let's look at some of this stuff around energy. Okay? You know, research into batteries or research into energy systems is going to be big business if it's not big business already. Okay? So protecting that's important. We have a number of people in our strategic studies area who are researching really quite sensitive areas you know, in the deep web and on the dark web about criminality, about jihadism, uh, and about some of the really muckier end of that market in there. How do I enable them to do that safely, protecting them, not triggering off all sorts of alarm bells um, in the security services, but enable them to do this really, really important research? And it's fascinating to see, actually, that when the academics and the students get into this space, and I was just reading one literally the other day, it's an application to access restricted material, I was amazed by the kind of work that's going on in that area, the value that they're producing, I mean really tangible value. And here's the other interesting part, who are the high value targets in your organisation? Who is it that is being targeted? So our next stage is to identify all our in our professors, who are our high value targets? How do I protect them? How do I put more security around them and everything they do? Because I know they're acting as a, a honeypot. So whilst that's all going on, um, one thing Mark asked me to talk about is business continuity. Because that's all about you know, pre-planned operational stuff and making sure we're secure as we can. What happens when it goes wrong? And you notice I didn't say if, we're all in the same community here. When it goes wrong, what are you going to do? And we've worked really hard now to get the university to understand, for example, what happens when the website goes down. Now, we run a lot of services through the website. We do a lot of recruiting through there, a lot of um, confirmation and clearing type activity. You know, it's really important. So we did two level exercises, and I think we've got time just to share that, um, some of the detail around that. At our silver level command, right, which is sort of next grade down from the, from the very top, we worked up a scenario uh, with the police and with my own experience about taking our website and having it hijacked. OK, 
okay, basically ransomware uh, to a point where we've got to take it down. We move to an alternative. So we're working through this scenario really carefully with the IT team there, because they're learning, and all the business owners. So the, so the website goes down. So what? How long can we last without our website? Hang on a minute, we're right in the middle of a big recruitment campaign. Or we're right in the middle of getting people to sign up to come to the university. It costs money, right? International students, remember that thing again? If, if we're off the air for four days, right, they'll go and sign up with another university because there's a definite place that they've got. And we work through all of that as a tabletop exercise. And then we find actually what happened, the next scenario was, whilst the website was off, an alternative one came up and said, sign in here, click, and how many credentials were taken, all right? So a phishing email campaign comes through. And then we find that the phishing email campaign transpires into capturing uh, student financial credentials, okay? We run that scenario through in the space of about three or four hours, working out, so what, so what, every time we come across a problem. Looking at the different departmental heads saying, what would you do now? Okay, so the website's down, that's your primary access for this service, what's your alternative, what's your, what, what do you do now? And work it through. If we're off air for four, hour, for four days, we've got significant problems, we now know what we're going to do, and how we're going to get people informed of what's going on. And then how to bring up those services in different ways. My team understand them much better. Having done that at silver level, we then move to gold level, so the directors directly involved. So at gold level, we now run the same scenario through, right? The website is down, what are you gonna do? Are you going to pay? First question. Big debate between uh, the CFO, who won't pay for anything, um, and you know, other members say, well, you know, we need to get back up and running. And it's a really important question, isn't it? You know, we've got the police there to help advisors, uh, you know, don't pay. So we're working the alternative plans, we're working our reversionary modes, we're getting ready, we're trying to run up an alternative website, we're trying to understand where we are in the battle rhythm of the university to understand what it is that we need to do. Are we in clearing? Are we on exams? Are we in recruitment and all those activities? And we have a really, really productive discussion about how we're going to respond. Now, that puts us in a position, not to, so nobody can, this isn't an invitation to have a go at my website, by the way, um, because we know it's going to happen, right? We know this is going to happen to, to the business at some stage. It's about how you respond that matters. So we have flap sheets, so it goes down, what do I do? You know, A, B, C, step one, two, three, and four. And then we have a communications channel out to everybody else and a real well-rehearsed business continuity and restoration plan, well-rehearsed plans for business continuity. So talking about all of those bits and pieces, that's kind of security. Let me just talk a little bit about how a uh, university is measured, and then you can go to link what I'm talking about to that. So league tables are super important. There are a number of league tables. Uh, they don't all agree with each other, and you can, to a degree, choose which one you want to select. But they're directly influenced by a number of measures, in particular the National Student Survey. So final year students, not year one and two, final year only, during three months, um, February to April I think it is, uh, they get a chance to fill in whatever they like. Right? What did you think about your tutors? What do you think about your teaching? And there's one IT question. What do you think about the IT services you got? Okay. Universities fall or rise on those responses. 
It's slightly unfortunate this year that we had a large dump of snow on Exeter, previously unseen, uh, which brought things to a crashing halt, and a significant strike over pensions as well. So we will see an impact on our scores. We will drop down league tables. That drops uh, recruitment, in particular international level. So working to support the student experience with great IT services, great Wi-Fi, great connectivity, great digital services, actually we're completely focused on that aspect of it. And the same for the research excellence framework, the REF. And that is about quality research. If you do well in the REF tables, you bring in more income. That income enables us to reinvest in buildings and services, etc. And the new one, the teaching excellence framework. So if our teaching is gold standard, which I'm very proud to say that it is, that is to a degree uh, reliant on the digital education services, things like lecture capture, for example, where we're recording all the lectures and then allowing students to browse back into those. Here's an interesting thing, 20,000 students, 650,000 views of lectures in the last academic year. This isn't students not turning up, Right, they rock up, but then they go back and look into it. Isn't that interesting? So, let me just touch on uh, a couple of uh, military and higher education parallels, as Mark very kindly introduced me as a brigadier, as opposed to that old git. The customers, here are the parallels. The customers between the military and higher education, it's a mix of demanding aid ranges, all determined to succeed. That is true of both communities. Special services required by some they might be very demanding academics, or they might be senior generals, okay? Or they might be those academics who are right on the edge of what they're doing and really pushing the bounds. Or they could be sort of special forces type people, and that parallels there. Data to both communities is more important than ever before, and we see that, of course, right across our, our area. It's international, and it's collaborative, both sides. Collaborative research at international, with international partners is fundamental to how we drive business. And everyone is striving for success on operations or just to graduate. So those are the parallels. Fundamentally, we're driving forward in higher education. We're really pushing it because we're customer focused. We need to sort out our IT. We need to remain secure in the transformation. It's a very dangerous time as you transform, as you will all appreciate about keeping one foot on the ground in a really planned and deliberate way, but moving at pace. And finding that balance is always a challenge. We're ambitious, but we've got to be secure. I'm going to stop there because it's probably getting near 500 degrees Celsius in here. Thank you for listening to the Rise and CIO podcast. And our thanks to our partners, Future Processing, whose paper is available at startneeshoring.com slash RFI.